Okay. Uh, so uh, this is, I wanted to introduce uh, uh, Alberto Abadie, um, Professor uh, of Economics at MIT. And uh, we, today we're just going to have a short discussion about uh, economics, econometrics, and, and his, his work. But before we start, uh, I was wondering, uh, uh, what is the correct way to pronounce your last name? And what is the worst pronunciation you've ever heard? I won't go into the worst pronunciation. I, like uh, I am very flexible and non-dogmatic about how to pronounce my name. Yeah, it's a French name. Oh. I am originally from originally from Spain, and I live in the United States. So at least there are like three correct ways to to pronounce it in three different languages. Uh, but people say usually uh, abadi or abadi, and okay. in Spanish, like originally, like uh, we say abadi. Abadi. Okay. Uh, uh, no, we did different um uh, like is abadie oh, okay. so like uh, I, with the accent on the i abadie. i've been saying abadie for like 10 years and then uh uh so i, I was the i got close so abadie the good thing about my name is that the people pronounce it in different ways but uh, you know i can recognize all of them very easily so that's that's all that matters that's all that matters okay so you can in a, in a crowded room you know that they're you know it's i know different. whether they are talking about me yes exactly <laughs> right okay all right well I, I have a couple of questions and uh so i wanted to start i i was curious about what brought you into economics and econometrics especially um what was it what was it that drew you to those those subjects? What brought you brought me into economics? Okay, so like uh, when, um, as I said before, I am uh, from Spain. College in Spain is a little bit different than in the United States. Uh, like uh, you go to college and you go directly into a department. I mean, like you go to college and you study there, you know, like uh, economics or or uh, you know, like a uh, law or something like uh, some you know very specific uh, uh, you know subject. And, you know, when I graduated from high school, I told my family that I wanted to study physics. And uh, my father said, like, no way, you are not studying physics, because if you do that, the only thing that you will be able to do in life is uh, being a college professor. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, so like um, I changed to economics and, you know, and I finally became a college professor. So that's, <laughs> that's the, and the one of the reasons like I changed to economics is like, uh, you know, like I thought it was like a, a lot of interesting questions that I knew nothing about and I wanted to know. And there was a little bit of a natural experiment uh, involved in there is that the, the Department of Economics of the University of Basque Country was basically five minutes, it is basically five minutes away from where my family lives. Mm. So it was like very convenient for me, like a, again, you know, like a set of topics that I found like intriguing. And that's how I started. Mm. And, you know, like in terms of um, econometrics, I, you know, I, you know, when I was in college, I was, uh, you know, like uh, studying like uh, quite a lot of theory, um, but um you know, there was an specialization within the, within the, you know, like um, the college degree of economics. So there was my um, mathematical economics and quantitative methods. And there I was quite exposed to, you know, like a, a statistics and economics and, sorry, a statistics and econometrics and that a kind of, a, you know, like case when I, I you know, like found that a part of the discipline, very appealing. And I decided to concentrate on that. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's neat. Uh, did you say that though that the the university in, in is it Basque country? Is that how you? That pronounce? is that is yeah the yeah. University of Basque country in Bilbao. 
Okay. I was. I went for college. You went for college. So was yeah. the terrorist attack in Basque Country while you were in college? When was that? Oh yeah, since I was like a, uh, you know, like a very little, like a very little, uh, you know, terrorist in the Basque Country. Terrorist in the Basque Country kind of started a, you know, you know, around the time I was born, uh-huh. and 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 you know, lasted until like a, some years ago, and um, and so that was kind of a long long process that uh, luckily now now it's over so it, it it was concentrated in basque it was concentrated there was mostly concentrated in basque country like uh, apart from terrorism they would there was extortion to like uh, some uh, like uh, entrepreneurs and so on like in order to finance like uh, the terrorist activities of the uh, of the organization and there was also terrorism in other parts of the in other parts of the country yeah. and most of it happens to the during the transition, the political transition with Spain, uh, you know, like until, you know, like uh, until I was kind of a six or seven, like, a, you know, Spain was a dictatorship. It's yeah. a, difficult to believe that now, yeah. but it was. And, you know, there was a long process of political transition to democracy uh-huh. that was um, very successful, but it was also very painful yeah. uh, for many people. And, you know, this happened as, as a part of that in, in, in part. Yeah, I yeah. mean the terrorist the terrorist activity. Yeah, so I, I, I'm uh, I'm curious about that both because of of its of its history and in your life, but also uh, it, it seems like you know it, it's so intimately connected with the creation of that synthetic control paper. Um, I just am curious, uh, how did that paper come about? Um, I, I wrote down a, just a couple of things that. You know, it, it has that paper, that synthetic control model. It has so many elements from the counterfactual tradition that I sort of associate with you a lot: uh, matching, weighting, aggregate, aggregating uh, important treatment parameters using weights, imputation of counterfactuals, difference and differences, and you did it almost immediately after you graduated. And I was just wondering how. How did, what's the story of that paper and, and how did you get, how did you end up doing that? What was the reason for it? So the story of the paper, I was, I was, um, you know, as I said, there was a terrorist conflict in the West country and uh, there was like many people talking about uh, in the newspapers and like in the streets, like talking about, you know, what is the threat of terrorism on the economic prosperity in the West country. And, and, you know, shortly after graduating, like I, um, you know, I was invited to a course uh, in a, uh, in my alma mater in the, uh, the, at the undergraduate level in the University of the Basque Country. I was invited by Javier Gardazabal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while, we, while I was teaching this course, like we started talking about the, like uh, collaborating in these projects and measuring the effect, of, uh, the effect of terrorism in the Basque Country. And at the time it was a purely empirical paper. And, and, you know, like we were, you know, it was a very, very personal interest in trying to measure, you know, like something that, you know, it was, of a, it was a important for us. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and the thing is that when we tried to do it, like we realized that the, that the available methods, uh, you know, were not going to be, uh, you know, like uh, appropriate in that setting because of the aggregate level of the event or intervention that uh, we were talking about that is a uh, uh, you know terrorism conflict and also because you know the Basque country is a 
you know, like a relatively idiosyncratic region within Spain. I mean, like we couldn't uh, think about any good match uh, for that. And that's how, it, you know, it came to life. And, you know, like uh, what we realized later, uh, you know, is that, um, you know, it has many other applications in many other fields and, uh, you know, for many other questions and, and uh, you know, like and, um, has um, become popular, I think, in part because of the transparency of the methods and, and because of the interpretability, yeah. but also because um, many of the Polish interventions and events that we care about are in fact at the aggregate level. And the tools that we have for Polish evaluation were, you know, like constructed with the idea that we have a big sample of units and, you know, you know some of the units are, you know, exposed to the intervention of interest, many of them, and some are not, and we are going to compare them. And we have much less of a, you know, like a theory and a conceptual framework for the case in which, you know, like, a, you know, the Polish interventions are, you know, like um, implemented at an aggregate level and affect right. only a, a few units. But the fact is that many, many of the Polish inter interventions that we care about, uh, you know, are, are, are like that. Yeah. And uh, that's why I think that, you know, like, um, you know, this type, uh, this set of methods and uh, like including like difference, indifference, synthetic controls and so on, like uh, they are going through a, you know, like a very popular phase because, you know, people realize that there are like a lot of, uh, you know, potential. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. applications and implications. Right, right, right. So, so, so in that Basque country paper, uh, was it, so when I'm, you know, when I'm thinking about you guys writing that paper, was it sort of very long into the paper where the project, where you started to realize you needed to construct this new estimator or was it something you had an idea for it even before the project? No, it was a, it was a, a completely you know inspired by the project, and mm -hmm. it's something that you know happened very very early in the process, if I remember correctly. Uh, in the same paper, we also have like um, you know like a second part of the paper in which yeah. we run a, a, an event study to try to think about the, like um, you know a, another way to you know like um, measure the effect of terrorism in the past country, and you know that took a little bit uh, longer time. Oh, okay. uh, to, to do because of the, you know, like a data availability issues and, and, you know, how to think, you know, also we have to think very carefully about you, how you do an event study um, in, um, for a case in which, you know, the, the effect of the treatment is not immediate, but it may happen like a, right. you know, like over a, over a long period of time. Right. And right. how to measure risk in, 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 a, in, a, um, in that case. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't, that, that I have a paper like that with fracking and we uh, fracking had the same kind of feature, which was this, you know, it wasn't really clear. It wasn't like a discrete thing. It was sort of slow. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, um, did you, did you get the impression early on that this might be a big impactful as, as impactful on uh, practice as it's become? Did you, did you get a sense of that at any point or rather, let me say this. When did you get a sense that it was impactful on practice? I think from the beginning, we have the idea that this could be impactful and, and uh, you know, could be applied uh, to many other, uh, you know, questions. Um, 
I was at the time, however, involved in like, uh, you know, many other projects yeah. that required my attention. So like uh, it took me a while to, you know, like uh, go back to this and think about it in a way that uh, can we, can we, you know, like um, frame it in, in such a way that people could be used, could be used this type of uh, methods, uh, you know, like uh, for other applications. And, you know, like uh, this happened in a, you know, paper in Yassine with, a, with, a, with a James Heimuller and uh, Alexis Diamond. And mm -hmm. we, did have, we did have like an idea that this could be, you know, like applied like in, in other contexts. We were of course, like very, very happy to see how people, you know, took on that idea and developed in many different directions. And, and uh, you know, again, you know, like each, each part, you know, like maybe like some methodological appeal that the, 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 the methods have, but also is, the, the you know it's the issue of that you know there are many you know possible applications out, out there right, right. and and um, and we didn't have much methodology for for these yeah. type of applications with aggregate interventions you know one of the things that may, may I don't know if this is uh, controversial or obvious I don't know which it is but um, one of the things that I saw that is making it really impactful is when you guys published that 2010 JASA you also made available Stata in our code. And I, I've always kind of felt like without the software, there's this huge firewall between econometrics and applied practice. You even see that lately with this difference in differences uh, mm -hmm. revolution of uh, until people had software in hand, they didn't, you know, the, because of the specialization and comparative advantage, a lot of applied people just don't feel confident in, you know, writing their own code. Um, uh, and so I've, I've always felt like that was one thing that, you know, even with your semi-parametric diff and diff, there's that ABS DID software that, that accompanied it. Um, has that, do you feel like it's something, do you feel like there's, th that's overstated or do you, do you know, do, do you think it's important that this software ends up being created out there? Is it, is that a distraction? I think that they, you know, like a, Generally, it's important to have like a software available, uh, um, you know, reduce the barriers to entry on, you know, all these kind of, uh, of uh, technologies or methods, and also like avoid the inefficiency that each, uh, you know, researcher uh, has to, you know, cook a, a her or his own, you know, code and that, uh, you know, may not be validated. So, like, I, I think that in general is, is something that is important, and and I think that econometricians, you know, you know, like, are now, you know, well aware of this, and you mm. see nowadays many more people, like, uh, when they, you know, like, uh, propose a method or a variant of a method or something like that, they see them like uh, providing a code in in uh, sometimes in like a. And um, you know, like uh, languages that are very popular among like empirical researchers, and that didn't happen in the past so much. But I think yeah. like uh, everybody's like now aware that this is this is very important. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I noticed that with your uh, treatment effects paper with Hito Imbens. I remember in grad school getting our hands on what was it called? It was like your near. It was like in and match. I think was maybe what it was called or something like that. And I remember. It was one of the very first times that I felt like we, I was learning new methods uh, and software was available as opposed to in Stata, 
we would just kind of work with a lot of in-house. I don't know. It always felt a little different that, that I remember just seeing that and maybe that's always been true, but it was, it was interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. What, what, uh, so, so changing a little bit, um, Angers and Pischke call this, this, uh, this thing, uh, the credibility revolution, which to me, uh, you know, I always struggle to figure out, you know, what exactly, exactly is that? And so lately I've been thinking, uh, it's design-based identification rooted in the potential outcomes tradition, but I don't know if that's even very helpful. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, how do you see yourself uh, in relationship to that thing that Angers and Pischke are talking about? And what do you think its lasting legacy is going to be for science? And where do you see it going? Okay, let me start perhaps with the lasting legacy that is uh, a little bit related to uh, what the credibility revolution is about, at least from me, from my point of view. From my point of view is... Um, you know, a shift of a focus, like, and, and uh, you know, people um, paying much attention in, uh, you know, like explaining what type of variation, exactly what type of variation they are using to identify, you know, the parameters that they are identifying. And this is something that, uh, you know, was somehow like uh, also present in previous research, but, uh, you know, it was much less central to what people were doing. And uh, you, you know, like in, in many, you know, like, um, Models that you know, like researchers weren't estimated empirically, it was it was not clear exactly what type of variation what they was identifying the parameters of interest, and I think that will be the big legacy of the credibility revolution. When you go now to a you know seminar in a, you know empirical economics, like uh, this is what people people talk about, right. and um, something that is important to realize and and uh, you know like to highlight the contribution of a uh, of a uh, you know the recent uh, Nobel Prize winners is that uh, you know that was not the case I mean like people may think that it was always the case that you know the the scientific discourse in uh, economics has been like that but mm -hmm. it was not like that it was kind of the opposite of that uh -huh. and you know like and there was there were a minority of uh, people like uh, thinking in these terms and uh, you know the other day like um, talking uh, like with the start of flow about this, like we were joking that, you know, like, yeah, the credibility revolution had a gorilla, like uh, they have their, the insurgents, right? And, you know, like it was the time in which uh, you will send a paper to a journal and I will come back with a comment saying like, uh, no, don't use the word causal. Causal is very low the term. You have to erase every appearance of this word from your paper. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, you know, like a lot has changed. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, you know, for, you know, for the best, and you know, like, and there, like, a, many other traditions in economics that do not use this framework. But I think that having this tradition in economics using this framework, which, by the way, has become quite dominant, you yeah. know, it is, it is, it is good for for every everybody. Yeah. And yeah, I think that, like, in the way I asked the second question, the second question was about uh, how do we do I see. Uh, myself within this tradition, like, uh, well, like I, I mentioned this conversation that I had with Esther, that she felt that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, like we were right there fighting in the trenches and we have been so happy for yeah. this to be recognized like uh, recently, uh, like in the in the Nobel Prize to, uh, to Dave, uh, Josh and, and, and Hido. Mm. And the third question is where we are going. Where, where is, is it going? Where do you think all this is going? 
So something has been telling people, everybody what, who wants to listen is that the, the nature of data and economics is, is changing. Like, uh, and for many years, like economists used to um, rely on survey data, something like the PSID or the CPS, the current population survey of the panel, panel study of income dynamics. Mm -hmm. Then there was a big shift uh, to, towards like administrative data and, right. you know, experimental data that, uh, that uh, you know, like um, produce a lot of, you know, like interesting contributions. But if you think about uh, what's going, going on now, it's like uh, much of the most uh, interesting data for the social sciences, in fact, they are, are collected by automated systems, right? Like how people, like, uh, how people relate, you know, like uh, 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 you know, with themselves and with others, like uh, uh, and, and and with the environment through, you know, like uh, internet and other automated systems, and and this is a uh, quite interesting. I mean, it's, it's a new it's a new frontier because you know we have like a huge amounts of data right. on what people do and how relate. We have the the capacity, the ability of a uh, you know like um, analyzing this data in real time. And moreover, we have the ability of uh, using this, this, has, this uh, like automated system that are collecting the data to implement, you know, sophisticated policy interventions in real time. Right. So, like, I, I think that the, much of what is going to be interested, interesting in the next uh, decades are going, is going to be about how to exploit uh, this, uh, you know, like, a, this, um, you know, like a type of data that people are called big data, but the, the, the most interesting thing about the big data is that it's big. Yeah. The, 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 much, the more interesting thing is like, a, as I said before, the, the ability to analyze it in real time and, you know, like provide interventions, perhaps personalized interventions in real mm. time. I mm. think like, I think this is going to be a fascinating, a fascinating issue in the future, mm. the realm, the realm of causal inference. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's see, I have one more question. Uh, what are the topics in research that you're most passionate about now, even if you aren't, haven't worked on it? What are the things that you're most passionate about? This, I, I think this is like uh, kids. You, you love oral kids, but uh, you love your kids with, uh, with, with passion, right? And, and you know, like I, I love with passion the things that I've been working on. Like I devoted quite a lot of effort and energy and, uh, you know, sleepless nights to, to those. Like, and, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's the thing, the, thing the, the things I like. I like causal inference very much for many, many reasons because, you know, it's, it combines like a beautiful conceptual frameworks, like interesting theory and, and it's like, um, it has like um, direct policy implications of uh, many things that uh, that you do in that in that area. Like uh, it connects economics with many other fields, like uh, political science, like uh, uh, epidemiology. Like uh, I talk to many people who are you know like outside economics, but now we speak the same language in many right. in many ways, and it's amazing the you know like the, the intellectual community that we have in causal inferences. I think is a you know, I, I cannot imagine like working in like uh, anything else uh, right now. Yeah. And um, lately, I interact very much with uh, with people in computer science, and they tell me like the credibility revolution that you mentioned before that we experience in in economics and this social science is coming to is coming to computer science. People have been like a uh, very much you know concentrating in like um, 
um, machine learning type of methods yeah. that uh, to a large extent uh, are seen are seen as black boxes. Right. And uh, now they are thinking uh, very, very hard about, you know, like interpretability and causality and many issues that are, you know, like uh, very important in, in econometrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that same thing too. It seems I've, I, uh, I know this term Lucas critique gets overused, but I've often thought uh, there be, it's got to be within the machine learning community that's, that's sort of collapsed causality with prediction. It's got to be coming that they're, they're going to begin to see their own trying to disentangle the two. And this, the causal inference tradition in, in the social sciences seems like a great, a great way, especially with people like Athian Embens and others trying to make that bridge easier, you know, for... Yes, that's... That is important. Um, um, also in computer science, like um, I always make the joke that they, you know, they already know. I mean, like these automated systems that we were talking about before, they made it happen, and uh, they know how to make uh, make those. But then they suddenly they have realized that those automatic systems, automatic systems, interact with people who interact with other people, right. and uh, this social science component. Uh, of a, of a, what they do, they they you know they are trying to learn much more much more about that. So they are also reaching out to the to economics, to political science, to statistics, yeah. social inference. And uh, recently, we have a speaker at MIT, like uh, from uh, from computer science, and uh, he was telling our students, like uh, you know, if you are interested in causal inference, like uh, you know, come to us. I mean, we have so many problems that uh, you know have to do with uh, social sciences that uh, we are really interested about. Right. Right. Wow. That's cool. Well, um, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I just wanted to say thank you for uh, letting me uh, interview you. And uh, just to say again, um, uh, I, I'm going to say this in my Substack, but I, I think you're one of the, the more cre one of the most creative uh, econometricians I've ever had the pleasure of sort of observing and it, it's really neat to get to talk to you up close. Um, uh, so uh, I'll end this now, but thank you for talking to me. Thank you, Scott. I, I, I have to uh, I probably not remind you, but say that uh, also is causal inference the, the reason I know you because like uh, we met a uh, uh, many years ago in a course on causal inference at, 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 at um, Northwestern University. Yeah. Uh, so like, uh, and I have been, you know, like uh, following your work and, and which is of great quality and, uh, you know, like uh, very happy to read your book that I think like, uh, you know, many people are enjoying and, and thank you very much for having me here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Alberto.